What I understood about WISE was we are here to help women in whatever way we can. It is not what we want for them. It is what they want for themselves. How can we help them move closer to that? Hello, and welcome back to Wiser, where we take you on the journey of Wiser's 50-year history in the Upper Valley working to end gender-based violence through conversations with the folks who made Wise what it is today. My name is Jess Chase. I work at Northern Stage. And if you missed our first episode, you can catch up by signing up at northernstage.org slash wiser. Shirley Barrett Rivard, uh, and I've worked at WISE for over 30 years. Today we speak with Shirley Barrett Rivard. She started working for WISE in 1985 as an administrative assistant, answering phones and keeping files, much like Martha Pop in our last episode. We're now about a decade after Martha and Alex first met at WISE's headquarters in Hanover. And what did WISE look like at that time? Can you paint a picture for us of... Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we had an apartment. And actually, it was two apartments that had been combined by a door. And so we had one room that had a bathtub in it. It was was covered with um, plywood. Uh, And sort of, they worked it out so there was a desk, kind of. And um, we had a little kitchen. Mm. Uh, and then one big open room, except for some uh, pillars, supports, I guess you could call them. And we had like one, two, four desks in that area. Mm. And we had phone cords running on the floor from each desk to the other and back and forth. And you had to, <laughs> if you stood up, you had to really watch where your feet were going because otherwise you'd fall. It was just, it was um, kind of bare bones, you might say. Um, and there was, uh, <clears throat> our front door was actually downstairs from us. And you had to walk through this really dark set of stairs. And, um, and then you come, came to a landing. And, and um, we at times kept the door locked uh, because we weren't sure, you know, who was coming in. Uh, but otherwise, people would knock downstairs and we'd just have to go down and see, you know, who it was. Um, it didn't feel very secure Mm. Um, and there was uh, one time that an abuser actually found our back door and um, I don't know how that could have happened uh, because not many people even knew where we were Mm. Uh, and so that was really really 
really scary. And that was how it was at first. You know, you just never knew what was going to come up in a day. You just, it was very, very different than uh, the wise we know of today. Yeah, wow. And so did WISE have the same mission? Do you think it was, you know, sort of doing the same things in the community, or did that evolve? It evolved, actually. Um, I think that as far as a written mission statement, I don't don't think there was such a thing, but (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, that came later, because I remember when they were talking about doing that, and nobody agreed with anything. (laughs) It was really quite a mission. So yeah, the wise that I first came to know, it was it was very different. Are there can you sort of pinpoint moments where wise shifted profoundly for some reason? Uh not it was so gradual, I mm. think. Um it, cha- it it changed considerably really all along, but it's at such a gradual pace that it didn't seem startling or anything. But wise it just sort of grew, and it stretched. And, like, at first we had safe homes, uh, and then later we expanded to having our first shelter, Mm. which that was a huge step. And then, of course, it was somewhere near the same time that we finally changed our location to a visible place. Um, and so then it slowly started to feel safer. Mm. Um, and, uh, it seemed to me like the more people that became aware of where we were as, as we became more and more visible, uh, it felt safer. It felt more secure. And it's always, so we sort of gradually got out of that daily fear kind of thing. Uh, We installed um, a camera Mm. (laughs) on our front door for one thing, and and the door was always locked. And um, so, and there was a a video in my office so I could see who was was at the door. So that was a, (laughs) that was a big help. Mm. Yeah. But, um, I answered the phone from day one to day <laughs> till the end, you know, and people became very <clears throat> familiar with me. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And how did your role shift over that time? So you said you started as an administrative assistant, you were answering the phones, dealing with, you know, doing the first filing system. So how did your role shift? I have worn so many different hats, um, and it didn't, my title never actually, at times, didn't even fit what I was doing, but anyway, um, slowly shifted to office manager, mm. and the last title that I had was a database specialist and direct service associate, but I always worked uh closely with the advocates. Um, I kind of kept them on track. Um, 
kind of gauged how busy they were, um, if they were available for, you know, for a walk-in maybe. Uh, send them off to court mm. <laughs> or the police station or whatever. Um, but it was at that time that we started working with um, the police departments and the hospitals. I think there was hospital protocol that was put in place. Um, and, you know, that helped with our visibility. Um, and started working. We hired someone to start working in the schools, um, doing education around um, DV issues, uh, healthy relationships, and gender violence. And we just became more and more visible. that word visibility a few times. And as she is someone who has lived in the Upper Valley her entire life, I was curious what that word meant to her and how Wise's role shifted over time. Uh, Well, I would say, as I had said previously, that, you know, we just took on more and more and more and became more and more visible. And... We had more and more clients. <laughs> and um, so we really, everything was geared towards what the client needed. And so thus we came, became very familiar with the attorneys in the area and um, the court systems. And just, you know, like the hospital would call us if someone came in. Um, I remember in the early days, um, my friend Margaret uh, was working there also, and she was the domestic violence program director. And um, we got a call from APD one day, and I wasn't sure what was going on, but anyway. um, It seems that Margaret had talked with them, and they had a patient whose husband was sitting (laughs) sitting in the waiting room and he had been abusive and so Margaret drove up to a back door somewhere (laughs) and she uh, got this woman got into her car I can't remember whether there were children or not but anyway and she whisked whisked them off to our office and can you imagine what his what his face was looked like when I said oh she's Oh, she's disappeared. I don't know wow. where she is. <laughs> but Margaret came back to the office and she did a little dance. <laughs> she was so excited and she said, oh, I made a save. I made a save. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. It is. But I don't think, I don't know if anything happens like that nowadays, but that was back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you think that so those processes have changed over time? I it would probably be more organized. Mm-hmm. Um this was just quick, let's do it as we can. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she probably, the, the woman probably went to one of our safe homes, which um, safe homes were community members that believed in the cause, and they would offer their homes as a safe place for someone to come in to, to stay maybe one or two nights or, you know, how long they needed it. Um, and gosh, those people were so great. They just took these strangers into their homes and just like fed them and gave them a nice place to sleep. And it was just, you know, it was just really nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm curious, how, how did, did that program evolve as well? I mean, is that, is the safe homes program still something that's going on? Or? No, no. Uh as I said, we um, got our first shelter, which was mm-hmm. um, an, a, a large apartment. And so we had room for, I think, three women at the time of it. And, you know, that's where we started. And it just grew and grew. <laughs> and um, so women were able to stay for a longer length of time. And uh, WISE was able to help them with resources such as transitional housing, um, contact with attorneys, and the advocates would just work with people, um, clients, just whatever they needed, they'd figure out a way um, to do as much as we could for them. And as time went on, of course, they needed more and more resources. And you could kind of watch the patterns would emerge. You know, you'd have all these women that wanted one resource that was basically the same. And so that, again, is when wise would stretch and figure out some sort of way in which we could provide the services that were needed. And I'm sure they're still doing it now. And just because some folks who who listen to this might not know exactly how WISE works, but can you talk a little bit about what sort of what the advocate role is? Okay. Um, And I, again, I'm talking from my own knowledge and not, I don't know what's going on now, but. Um, the first thing is when someone walks into your office, you believe them. You believe what they are telling you because people don't make these things up. It's real. It's real. And you watch them and you can tell. You just, it is real. And I mean, some of these stories would scare a lot of people, but, uh, our advocates are, we're always very gentle, very understanding, and just that listening piece, of a place for people to be able to talk and tell things that they couldn't say to anybody else. And just, and they know, they knew that the person they were speaking with believed them. And um, usually the advocate would would talk with them and and just figure out what exactly they wanted. Were they looking to leave the situation 
Um, did they need immediate legal help? Um, did they have a place to stay? Did they want to stay? Because oftentimes they did stay. And eventually got to the point where they did want to leave. Um, the advocates would talk with people at the hospital because some of them needed medical treatment. Uh, and then there were the attorneys, there were the courts, there were... Um, uh, I, I know some of the, the very best advocates would go to great, great lengths to be able to find something. I can't know exactly what right now, but to find something that would help these people that wasn't that wasn't um, necessarily in their job description, so to speak, but something that would help them. Yeah, it was just... It was good work, hard work, and very trying work, but it, ha it, it ended in, um, hopefully, um, a better, better place for the clients. about the the staff at WISE. I'm sure you've worked among so many incredibly dedicated folks. Um, what do you think inspires people to join WISE and to work towards its mission? Is there something you've noticed, you know, over your years there? I think my friend Margaret uh, used to sum it up the best. And not everybody would understand what she was saying, but I did. And, that, and my thinking was the same. Um, she would say, well, they've either got it or they haven't. Meaning they either have the empathy, the understanding, the, the knowledge, this is real, and um, to be able to sense whether or not they've got what it takes to be able to see this thing through. So I guess, I guess I would still say, they've either got it or they haven't. It's not something you can really teach a person. They have to have this certain quality. And, you know, they can't get it from reading, reading a book. It just doesn't happen. So I'm curious, you know, at this moment, seeing wise, having evolved, the way you have. What do you imagine for WISE in the future? I'm curious in the in the near term, coming out of this difficult year, and also in, in the long term. Well, um, that is kind of hard to say, but I guess I would want hope to see 
resources become even more accessible to women and children so that their lives do not seem an endless struggle to keep up with the male population, <laughs> um, to, to be independent and able to care for themselves and um, see things a little differently, um, see that they can be equal and can play important roles in life, Whatever they choose, they can live and work toward, towards a peaceful and fulfilling life to be able to sit with their vision and understand that change can be their real life. Um, and as far as what wise will do in the future, small things, big things, whatever, <laughs> Um, wise was my life's work, but I don't have the answers for the future. And I do know that there are a lot of smart women that can figure that out. And so I'm able to let go of it. Before letting Shirley go, I asked her how the people in her life had responded to her work at WISE. My husband was very supportive, yes. Very supportive. Um, and that makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. He said to me one time, and I don't even mind that you're a feminist. And I said, oh, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I just didn't necessarily think of that, that word in connection with myself. <laughs> Even though I played the role. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody's got a story to tell, you know. Always. Action. Reaction. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of Wiser. Join us next week as we move from the 1980s into the 90s and two very special guests take us on a deep dive into some dramatic growth and change. And to use Shirley's word, we'll see how visibility for WISE increasingly means involving the whole community in its work. We'll see you then. WISER is a collaboration between WISE and Northern Stage. Episodes are out on Thursdays. Sign up at northernstage.org slash wiser. Wise was made by producer Jess Chase, associate producer Sophie Kinney, and sound designer and editor Alec Diva. Sound engineer was Cliff Rogers with support from Helen Rooker and the entire Northern Stage production staff. Generously supported by Mascoma Bank, a proud sponsor of Wise and Northern Stage. Oh.